Hey everyone, I've noticed a small influx of new people here, so wherever you're coming from, let me know in the comment section below, whether it's through a recommended feed, another YouTube channel, or my TikTok page. Let me know down in the comment section below, and if you enjoy what you're listening to tonight, be sure to subscribe and drop a like to let me know that you are enjoying the stories. And hopefully, you'll enjoy this story tonight. Let's not waste any more time and get right into it. Shadow Puppet by Will Rain For as long as I can remember, I've seen ghosts. Okay, well, that's not entirely true, but I do have vivid hallucinations practically every night. My logical mind completely understands that the objects and creatures I see are just a manifestation of my weary mind having just awakened from a dream state. But my younger years found me terrified of the things I saw in the night. I've had chronic insomnia since I was a child, so I take over-the-counter sleep aids nightly to be able to rest. These pills surely cause me to fall deeply into REM sleep, but medicated or not, I still frequently wake up in the wee hours of the morning... And that's when I see things. I've seen everything from a five-foot penguin dancing beside my bed to a full-on Roswell alien reaching through a portal above my head. I remember one time I saw a man just sitting at my bedside where I lay with half his body inside the stereo that sat on a table at the side of my bed. By this point, I knew they were manifestations of my sleeping subconscious, so I just swatted my hand through them. It was mildly disturbing the way he just retracted backwards while staying in that hunched-over sitting position, just staring at me. Regardless of the oddness of the situation, I just rolled over and went back to sleep. I used to have crazy reoccurring dreams, too. I'm not sure if they influenced my hallucinations or not, but they were equally as strange and disturbing as some of the more unsettling images. Sure, I had plenty of falling to my death dreams or flying about the rest of the world at rest, but completely unrelated dreams would have the occasional guest star. He was like that sitcom cameo character that would always enter to the wild applause of the live audience, but not remotely as friendly and inviting. He looked like he wore a loose skin suit that was five sizes too large. It just drooped and sagged from his limbs as he shuffled toward me. He reminded me, in a way, of the guy who crashed the van into the toxic waste in Robocop back in the day. It's possible that very movie influenced his visits in my sleeping mind, effectively transforming an innocent dream into a nightmare that I would jerk awake from. I remember one of them quite vividly. I was just walking to my car as the sun was setting, and I saw him standing a ways up the road. Though many dreams withheld memories of other night's activities, I recognized him as soon as I noticed him off in the distance. I ran to my car while he shuffled slowly toward me, and I locked the door as soon as I got in. He was still far off when I entered my vehicle, but as soon as I locked the door, he was right outside my window. He hammered his fleshy hand under the window, leaving slick trails of sweat or slime of some sort. With every pound of his loose skin, he would say, Sleeper, 
in a voice that almost sounded like Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. I awoke in a cold sweat and still saw the image of the man in his wrinkled skin suit, clouded in the darkness of my bedroom, though I could no longer hear his repetitious voice. His visits in my dreams would always make it hard to get back to sleep, but it's been some time since the last time I saw him. I actually hope that revisiting his memory will not set the seeds in my mind to bring a return visit tonight. Regardless of the unnerving imagery I've seen, both in my sleep and out of it, nothing has ever disturbed me more than what my half-sleep eyes showed me a few years back. All things considered, he wasn't nearly as disturbing as many of my other hallucinations, but there was just something about him that left a stain on me. Not to mention the fact that his visits became somewhat regular. Rarely do I see the same visitors more than once, aside from the saggy-skinned friend, but even he wouldn't show up as frequently. The new guy, for lack of a better term, almost resembled some sort of human-sized puppet, without the side of cute and cuddly. He wore a green one-piece pajama set that appeared patterned to look like a frog. He never had the hood pulled up over his head, but I imagined to have big, circular eyes that would rest on his forehead if he did. His face was smooth and felt like, and his closed mouth spread across his face in a wide smile that almost touched his small, half-circle ears that stuck straight out of the side of his head, sort of like how a Muppet's mouth appears. The way that were it to open, it would just flap the top half of his head backward, He had a little upturned bump for a nose with wide nostrils that seemed hollowed out in the fabric of his face. His eyes were just two small dark holes with no eyebrows above them, and his short forehead cut back right above where his eyebrows would be, with no hair on top. Normally my nighttime hallucinations appear clouded in the same darkness the rest of my bedroom holds. This one, however, had his own subtle glow that made him stand out much more vividly. The first time he showed up, I actually found him sort of cute compared to some of my wilder imaginary late-night friends. He just stood in the far corner of my bedroom, performing a playful dance. He appeared something more inspired by a kid's show, though it had been many years since I indulged in such programs. I watched with wide and curious eyes as he silently bounced, almost clumsily, I rarely knew where the manifestations of my dream state drew the inspiration from, but some could truly be quite bizarre. Some days would pass before his second visit, and I had plenty of other oddballs inhabiting my late-night wake-up calls till then. There was a row of cartoon-like hamsters strolling across my curtain rod, a four-foot hairless gremlin walked upright on my ceiling. He hung upside down to my view as he made his leisurely stroll. I even saw a comically ridiculous witch brewing something that formed a fine mist in her cauldron. When the six-foot puppet reappeared on the fourth night after our first meeting, he was closer than he was before. Now he stood in the dead center of my room, and his dance seemed to emit far less hilarity than it had before. He now swayed from side to side, allowing his arms to hang like wet noodles from his shoulders, though he had no more than small dark holes for eyes. I could feel them stare deeply into mine while he moved eerily from left to right. 
His head appeared almost detached, and it stayed completely still while the rest of his body wobbled. I felt a discomfort that I had not known since the earliest occurrences of my twilight visions. I turned my back to the felt-skinned figment and tried my best to ignore his presence. I still felt his cavernous eyes glaring into the back of my head while I struggled to get back to sleep. At some point, I must have managed to regain my grip on slumber as I did not wake to my intended alarm hours before I jerked back to reality. I felt dazed, as I often would when I had not achieved as much rest as my body had requested. I called my job to attempt to explain my tardiness, and my supervisor recommended that I just take the rest of the day off and we'll chalk it up to a sick day. He was a good guy overall. He's one of those rare management types that actually seems to care for his employees. Some of my bosses at previous job would likely have called me a no-call no-show and happily given me the boot. I can't say I was upset about the surprise day off, especially right before the weekend, but I thought it would be best if I sought out a new sleep aid. Perhaps my body was becoming immune to the one I'd used for the better part of a decade. I returned to my home some four hours after heading out to find a new sleeping agent. I checked a couple of local pharmacies to get a variety of opinions on the subject. The first recommended a simple melatonin, which I almost immediately ignored as I had tried them before to find they had little effect on me. The next suggested a liquid form of the gel caps I already used, which I was unsure about. Surely the same medication would have little difference regardless of the intake method. I did purchase a bottle anyway. If nothing else, maybe it would kick in faster than having to await the pill's disintegration while they bobbed around in my stomach acid. I even grabbed a bigger bottle of my normal method, with the intention of simply upping the dosage of chugging that made no difference. I walked to the aisles of a few other stores, more aimlessly wandering than anything else. I wasn't actively seeking anything in particular. I just felt the urge to kill a little time before heading back home. I hit up a local liquor store on my drive back to see if perhaps a little tequila would assist my pursuit of a full night's rest. If not, the 12-pack of Heinies may nudge it in the right direction. Not the most exciting way to spend my unexpected free day, but the rough sleep of the night before still left me feeling quite groggy and highly unmotivated. Around an hour later, my fresh and deliciously scented Supreme Pizza arrived. I paused at the horror anthology movie that had secured my interest before I answered the door to receive my tasty award. Perhaps a series of twisted tales of terror I continued to watch after I sat back down to enjoy the meal was not the best choice for one who sought an insomnia-free sleeping experience. Regardless, I was a fan of the genre and had rarely had nightmares inspired by the viewing of such things, even as a child. It's not that I've never been chased around an abandoned summer camp by an axe-wielding hockey mask zombie in the occasional dream. I just didn't particularly see them as nightmares. It would be that my sleeping mind knew these were merely fabrications of my subconscious and saw no reason to jerk myself back to the land of the living on account of them. I took a deep swig of my new sleep-inducing concoction and finished the third and final beer of the night. Though I knew I'd have no trouble falling asleep, even without the meds, I was well aware that if I neglected to take them, I would likely be awake again within a few hours. I cut the TV off, sending the anthology of screams to rest for the night as I raised from my couch to follow suit. Well, hello there. 
A high-pitched voice called through the night, forcing my dormant eyes to spring open. The puppet man in the frog onesie was staring directly at my face when I awoke. He was crouched on the floor right beside my bed with his head at a slight tilt. I didn't even see you there, he exclaimed. His voice sounded similar to that of the famous Disney mouse, if he had been a pack-a-day smoker for 40 years anyway. It was high-pitched but scratchy. Do you want to be friends? He asked as his head flopped over to the other side of the tilt. His mouth, sure enough, flapped around the top of his head like a muppet. I could even see what looked like the impression of the puppeteer's fingers pressed under the felt on the top side of the mouth. I felt stunned and somewhat perplexed by the inclusion of speaking with my new Twilight visitor. I've seen some crazy shit in the wee hours of the morning, but they never uttered sound before. Even the alien that reached through the swirling vortex above my bed did so without the slightest hint of anything audible. I'd already become a bit freaked out by the movements of this most recent creation of my weary mind, but now I was growing downright scared. Well, his squeal of a voice continued, what do you say? I rolled over and attempted to force my eyes shut again. The most interaction I'd ever given these hallucinations was a sleepy swat through the air. I considered doing the same with the one that now crouched at my bedside, but I didn't want to encourage whatever was causing my hallucinations to... I don't know, evolve? They'd never spoken before. What's next? Okay, sleepyhead, the voice echoed behind my head. I'll leave you alone. Sweet dreams. He finished with a high-pitched laugh before he tussled my hair with his four-fingered mitt for a hand. With that, I jerked around and leapt from my bed. I turned the light on to be greeted with nothing more foul than my dirty clothes-laden laundry hamper. What the fuck? I said out loud while gasping for breath. My hands were shaking and my back was tensed up so much it felt like an iron rod. I proceeded to lift up my sheets to check under my bed and swung the closet door open before leafing through the clothes that hung inside in search of any sign of a late night intruder. I headed out of my bedroom and back downstairs to perch upon my couch. There was no way I'd be sleeping in my bed for the remainder of my night. My thoughts reeled from the figments of making physical contact with me, but the rational side of my brain was already hard at work trying to ease my panic. It had to be something else that just gave me the impression of touch, right? Maybe the pillow was more fluffed on its upper side than the section I'd laid my head on. I may have just inadvertently brushed against it while adjusting my posture. That is as far more likely than a felt-handed creature of the night rubbing my noggin. After cleaning off a few more beers, I decided to attempt to sleep off the strange events my tired mind produced. Refusing to re-enter my bedroom for the remainder of the night, I grabbed one of my coats from the rack to the side of my front door. I wrapped it around myself and curled up on the couch, leaving the lights on like a nervous child with night terrors. Sure, I wasn't actually proud of the way I was acting at the moment, but the rational portion of my brain had not convinced me of the innocent misunderstandings of things as much as I would have liked to. 
After a good hour of tossing and turning, I finally felt myself doze off for the second time that night. I slept in again, but Saturday did not require me to awaken at a specific time, so no harm done there. I felt far more rested than I did the previous day, so I thought I may actually try to accomplish something with my responsibility-free weekend. I heard and felt my bones creak and crack while I stretched my arms out, accompanied by a long and heavy yawn. On the way to the bathroom, to begin the day with a refreshing shower, I peeked through my bedroom door. Nothing was out of place, and no strange visitors crouched on the floor beside my queen-sized bed. Feeling my sanity adjusting back to its default setting, I continued my quest for showery goodness. I was never a particularly vain individual, but the litter of hair that I watched circle the drain as I turned off the flow of water to the shower made my heart sink quite a bit. My father had experienced early baldness, and I'd never known him to have much hair aside from the evidence shown in photographs from his youth. I suppose that it was bound to happen eventually as I ran my fingers through my hair in the bathroom mirror. I hadn't really noticed the onset of baldness before that day, but I was really prone to pay much attention to my own reflection. I was never a fan of the idea of being that guy with the wrap around the back hairline, so, with a heavy sigh, I dug my hair clippers out of the drawer to my left and buzzed the remaining dark hair away. I couldn't have predicted that I'd be rocking the head stubble and hat at the tender age of 23, but at least it was more a commonplace look in the current times. I always had a naturally dark complexion and fairly thick eyebrows, so it wasn't as bad as I expected. I made my way out of my home while placing some phone calls to meet up with some friends I hadn't seen in a few months. Truthfully, I just wanted to spend some time with some actual physical people while maybe getting an idea of how ridiculous I looked now. Maddie and Quincy, who I'd been tight with since high school, wasted no time in mocking my new appearance. Sure, they were apt to make fun of anything that struck their fancy on a regular basis, but they assured me it was all in good fun. We spent the rest of the day catching up and reflecting on the times gone by. We were always pretty tight, and they were among the few that I had told about my strange hallucinations in the night. Since they were already familiar with these things, I decided to tell them about my more recent, unusual visitations. Quincy was taking some online psychology courses, so he advised that I may be dealing with manifestations of some childhood trauma or something of that nature. Maddie just indicated that I may be a full-on cuckoo bird, and that I should stop watching stupid movies before bed. I actually took more offense to him calling horror movies stupid than him insinuating I was batshit. It's not like we hadn't called each other far worse things over the years. I can't say I had any recollection of childhood traumas, but Quincy said that that's the nature of repression and manifestation. Maddie just laughed and offered, Dude, you've been taking those classes for, what, a year now? You really think you're ready to be giving anyone a goddamn diagnosis? Quincy simply replied, Hey, ask for our opinions, right? As the hours grew closer to midnight, my friends and I said our goodbyes and made our separate ways. It was good to see the two of them again. Though it had been only months since our last meeting, it seemed like so much longer. Quincy's words had caused me to ponder my personal history a bit, and I planned to take a drive to my parents' house the following day. Perhaps they could shine some light on anything in my past that could have led to the strange occurrences that interrupted my sleep of late. 
By the time I reached my home, I was feeling quite exhausted and ready to attempt another night's rest. I chugged for my bottle of liquid slumber medication after snapping the deadbolt to my front door shut. I briefly considered climbing into my bed, but opted for snatching my blanket and pillows to carry them down to my couch. It was completely irrational, I knew that, but I had not experienced any emergence of the felt-faced puppet man after retiring to the comfort of my sofa. Could this particular hallucination be unable to traverse a small staircase? It was unlikely, but sleeping downstairs provided the best sleep I'd had in some time. Best to stick with what works. So I curled up under the safety of my thick blanket and let my eyes fall shut. What you doing all the way down here? The high-pitched tones cried out, causing another full night of rest to slip out of grasp again. He sat with his legs folded across each other on the center of my coffee table in front of the couch. He was twiddling his thick and cushioned thumb while his little dark holes glared at me from his head that hung to the side. I'd left the light on when I passed out earlier. I knew that much, but the room lay dark now. The only light was provided by the tall street lamps outside that shed their glow through my thin curtains. He still sported his own subtle illumination, but there was something slightly different about his appearance now. I sat straight up, which brought us to gaze at each other truly face to face for the first time. I could barely convince my lungs to expand and contract while I looked into the fabric facsimile of his face. Though his mouth was just a Pac-Man-like connection of two halves of an ovular circle, it seemed to form an unsettling smile. His shoulders jumped as he let out a single giggle while we shared our staring contest. Don't you want to talk to me? He said, spreading his arms out as if to introduce himself. I slowly shook my head from side to side in response to his question, though I did not take my eyes off his deep, dark cutouts. Okay, fine then, he said, straightening his back and folding his arms. He turned his head to the side and jutted it upward like a pouting child. It was then I noticed what was different about his appearance. Thick, dark hair now sprouted from his previously bald felt scalp. It almost formed a mohawk that protruded from the tip of his short head and traveled back to where his neck met the frog-eyed hood. I rubbed my now-stubbled head while not allowing the thoughts that echoed from the recesses of my mind to take full form. He turned back to me and leaned in toward me. He propped his elbows on the top of his knees and leaned his soft lower jaw upon his mitts. Why don't you want to be friends? He asked with the fabric above his eye holes forming a light frown. He gave a heavy sigh that sent a foul stench of mothballed and decayed old clothing into my face. I almost gagged before he leaned in closer and bounced an outstretched plush finger off my nose with a boop, which followed with a giggle. I don't remember going back to sleep that night, but I woke on my sofa a little afternoon. I felt a little drained, but no more so than some of my uninterrupted slumbers in the past. Perhaps I just dreamed this particular appearance of my fuzzy-faced visitor. He'd been preying heavily on my thoughts these past few days. After investigating the wide, wooden table across from the couch, I found nothing out of place. 
The empty beer can from the night before still sat on the stained circular coaster. The box of tissues that I purchased earlier in the year to combat my seasonal allergies still lay in the center of the table. Shrugging this event off as a product of my own overactive imagination, I started my trek up the stairs for my daily shower. I called my mom to be sure that she and my dad would be at the house before I started out on the 45-minute drive to reach my childhood home. She sounded quite giddy at the news of my visit, which caused me a flash of guilt as it had been far too long since I last saw them in person. There had been plenty of phone calls, text messages, and emails, but I never seemed to find the time to share their company. They were loving and attentive parents, but they respected the space that a young adult required after moving out of the home they grew up in. Still, I really should try to spend more time with them. As soon as I stepped through the door, my mother wrapped her arms around me. My father just clapped me on the shoulder with his outstretched arm and greeted me with a sincere, It's good to see you, kiddo. Once upon a time, I would have scowled at my dad for referring to me as a kid, but I couldn't help but become immersed in the nostalgia of being back here after too much time away. My mom quickly let me go to scamper into the kitchen to attend to the cookies she started baking after my call. This caught me off guard at first, as I used to bask in the scent of my mother's baking as a child. I hadn't noticed any sort of appetizing smell when I entered the house my folks had owned for years before I came along. Moments after my mom had fled to the kitchen, she came strolling back and sporting twin oven mitts and a steaming tray of chocolate chip cookies. She would never lower herself to using the canned dough to prepare such a treat. She mixed them by hand and they tasted so much more delightful than any prepackaged snack you'd find at your local grocery store. Though I still couldn't so much as pick up a whiff of the tasty goodness the now cooling stove had produced, my mouth watered in anticipation. They're still really hot, my mom said proudly as she sat the tray down on the padded prop in the middle of their large dining table. She playfully smacked my hand when I extended my arm toward the steaming pan, risking certain burnt flesh in my desire to taste the delicious treat. I gave in and agreed to allow the snacks to reach a tolerable temperature before lunging at them a second time. We began the obligatory conversation to catch up on each other's lives since our last meeting. It really had been some time since we last talked like this. My mom told me about her artistic ventures while my dad bitched about his job. He'd be retiring next year, and it sounded like he was more than ready. My mother hadn't worked since she fought off cancer some years back, but she came out the other side of that battle with the urge to paint again. She always talked about how she loved to do such things when she was younger, but life took priority over her dreams. My father's job paid well enough to make life easy for them, though he despised it with a fiery passion. Okay, go ahead, my mom said giggling as she noticed me eyeballing the tray again. I instantly crammed the entirety of a wide, soft cookie into my mouth. Both my parents laughed at my enthusiasm, but when my mom asked, So are they as good as you remember? I couldn't give her an answer. As delectable as I knew my mother's baking to be, I couldn't even slightly taste it. I wasn't about to tell the woman who wore a proud smile across her face that I could not reap the benefits of her craft at the moment. 
I just gave her a wide grin, revealing chunks of crumbled cookie bits still in my teeth and nodded. I decided to chalk my absent taste buds off as some sort of sinus issue. It was September, after all, and I would often have similar allergy symptoms to those I dealt with in the springtime of that year. My less rational section of my brain was insisting I reconsider my stance on this. First, he rubbed your head and your hair fell out. Could you be the victim of a ravenous nasal boop now? The little voice in my head questioned. I would not allow myself to entertain any such ideas at this time. I chose to silence the nagging in the back of my head and simply enjoy the company of my loving parents for a time. As I predicted, my folks couldn't shed any light on potentially traumatic events from my youth, but I was pretty certain of the fact before heading out there for the day. They did mention that I had an almost unhealthy obsession with the little stuffed frog, Bernie. Apparently, I built this toy up in my immature mind as my imaginary friend. We didn't live around many other families at the time, so I would dive into a fantastical world of my own creation with Bernie at my side. We fought pirates and evil knights with sinister agendas and even traveled the stars in a cardboard spaceship from time to time. That was until we had an apparent falling out. My mother threw open the door to my room while I was in the middle of pitching a legendary fit while tearing my beloved stuffed frog to shreds. I claimed that he had turned to bad and wanted to steal my life from me while my mom grappled to hold me still. Somehow in my rage, I'd managed to carve several small gashes into my face and forearms, presumably from my fingernails. She wrapped her arms around me in an attempt to prevent me from causing myself more harm. I had no memory of the small plush animal that she showed me in our family photo albums, nor the shredding of it. I recognized my bedroom and my other toys that the picture reflected, but I had no recollection of Bernie and his big, bulging eyes. As the hour grew late, I bid my folks good night and began my journey home. I promised them I would not wait so long before coming out to see them again, and I meant every word. The day's revelations had unsettled me, but I truly did enjoy sharing my parents' company again. On my ride home, with little to occupy my mind outside of the radio, I found my thoughts wandering away from the road ahead. It wasn't until I heard the blazing horn from the headlights that were speeding toward me that I snapped out of my pensive daze. I jerked the steering wheel to the right in an effort to get back to the lane I was meant to be in. I heard the other car screaming from beside me as my overcorrection left me careening toward the trees that paralleled the road. I pulled the wheel in the opposite direction, but still slammed sideways into a thick, hefty tree. The violent collision caused my head to smash into my side window, cracking the glass and rendering me unconscious. Owie! The high-pitched voice said, awakening from my unconscious state. That looks like it hurts bad, he continued as he reached his soft mitt from across the compacted passenger seat. He used a padded thumb to wipe blood from my left eye. I had no idea the extent of my injuries, but I could feel the dried blood crack when I made a wincing expression due to the pounding of my head. 
I adjusted my posture back to an upright position and turned to face the six-foot puppet who currently rode shotgun in my steaming car. Since most of the damage was on the passenger side, it appeared that I had only suffered wounds inflicted by the impact itself, though my left foot had somehow jammed under the brake pedal. I tugged at it with my hands wrapped around my upper thigh, but couldn't get it free until... I'll help you, old buddy, old pal, came from the felt-faced man who sat next to me before he contorted his soft body sideways to grip my leg with his felt-flying fingers. He made exaggerated grunting sounds while he wiggled my foot back and forth, ultimately freeing it from beneath the pedal. I found myself a little surprised and somewhat intimidated by the strength those cushioned, plush hands showed. Thank you, I replied, still in a degree of shock, but sincerely grateful to the strange man in the frog onesie. No, he said as his wide mouth twisted into a wide and sinister smile. Thank you. You. My jaw felt agape when his squeaky voice morphed into mine. It wasn't until that moment that I noticed the new addition to his face. A fleshy human nose now took the place of a small nub with a hollowed nostril that had previously sat just below his beady eye holes. See you later, buddy. He spoke through my own words before my eyes closed again. When I awoke in a hospital bed, I felt confused and lost for a moment. Over the hours that followed, the doctor informed me of my injuries, which included a deep gash across my eyebrow, a slight concussion, and an unexplainable series of bruising on my left leg. I investigated my shin to see darkened flesh in the pattern of a four-fingered hand. I stayed overnight at the doctor's recommendation and would find more troubling revelations the following day. After the bandages were removed, I still could not see anything out of my left eye. On top of that, I found myself unable to move my left leg from the knee down. They ran several tests to check for nerve damage and the like, but could come to no positive conclusion as to why my limb hung limp and lifeless. As the day progressed, my voice grew scratchy, and I'd find myself coughing whenever I attempted to speak. Again, no answers could be found to account for this ailment either. I could no longer ignore the reality of what was happening to me, though I could not convince anyone to believe my story. Over the weeks that followed, I started seeing a psychiatrist and endured a number of pointless sleep studies. The shrink prescribed me a variety of medications, as he seemed convinced my issues were psychosomatic. As the weeks led to months, I still hadn't regained my sense of smell or the sight in my left eye. I continued to walk with a limp with the aid of a cane, which was another recommendation from my doctor. I can still speak, but only for so long at a time before I start coughing as my throat grows more scratchy with every word uttered. It would be close to a year before I had another meeting with the felt-faced puppet man. It's been a while, huh? My voice uttered from beside my bed, causing the night's sleep to come to an end. I turned to face him before adjusting myself into a sitting position in my bed. He still had his unnatural glow, but now he had human lips to go with the nose he had stolen before. I noticed the left leg of his onesie was now cut short below his knee to reveal a fleshy shin and foot. 
His hair was longer now, almost hanging to his shoulder, and his left eye hole had been replaced by a light blue human-like eye. It didn't surprise me to see these new aspects to his appearance, as I had no misconceptions about what had truly caused the ailments I still suffered from. What do you want now, Bernie? I asked with a heavy sigh. Just one last thing, he said with a wide smile spreading across his fleshy mouth. He even had a row of sparkling white teeth behind them, too. At least he wouldn't have to steal mine. Go on, then, I replied, growing impatient at the knowledge I was about to become even more disabled than I was before I lay down that night. He clumsily walked toward the bed and reached a hand out to my right ear. He rubbed his felt hand across it before whipping a tarnished silver coin from behind it. He held out in front of me before dropping it onto the bed. We're all the trouble, he said as I felt the hearing fade from where he'd brushed. A comically loud popping sound erupted from the side of his head as a fleshy ear appeared in place of the previous half-circle of felt. I picked up the coin he bounced onto my bed. I looked at it to see that it didn't look like any currency I was familiar with. I turned my gaze back to the strange mix of puppetry and human parts before me with my head tilted. I figure it's the least I can do for all you've done for me. He replied with a chuckle that sounded like a bizarre combination of his previously high-pitched laugh and my own. So, is this the last time? I asked, dreading the answer. He placed his stuffed forefinger into his mouth and turned his stolen eye up to the ceiling. Might just be, he replied, still glaring upward. He turned his head back to me and held his left arm straight out in front of him with his fingers outstretched. Let's shake on it, he said, smiling even wider than before. You said one last thing. You already took my fucking ear, I exclaimed, both frustrated and angry. He didn't say a word. He just stood there, frozen in place with that creepy grin. Fuck it, I said with a heavy sigh. At least I'm a righty. I concluded grasping his soft hand and mine, fully expecting this to be the last time I'd be able to use those fingers. With another comically loud pop, he disappeared right before my eyes. I'd never actually seen him leave before, so maybe this wouldn't actually be the last time. It's been two years since that night. And I still have the use of both my hands. Sure, the left one has a tendency to lock up from time to time, and it grows steadily more painful the more I use it, but I can't complain. I still only have one good eye, one good ear, and no sense of smell, but things could be worse. The gift my fleshed and felted visitor left me with turned out to be a flowing hair, silver copper dollar, that I sold at auction for around seven and a half million uh, after taxes, of course. This allowed me to enjoy ample comforts to distract me from my disability, so I can't say it was a complete waste. I even had my useless leg removed and replaced with a prosthetic that is far more easy to work with than the limp chunk of flesh and bone that dangled there before. 
I never got answers as to who the puppet man really was or how he was able to steal from me what he did. Could he really be a product of my childhood mind who somehow found himself tangible and sentient? I highly doubt it. There's a lot of crazy shit out there, as my granddad used to say. There's no telling if I'll ever see Bernie again or if he'll feel the need to rob me of any more of my senses if I should. I still sleep with the light on and I still battle with insomnia, but perhaps my nightmare has actually ended. I still awaken to the sounds of high-pitched eerie laughter from time to time, but that may just be my mind playing tricks on me. Just be aware of the shadows that play across your walls in the wee hours of the morning. You never know if there's something real hiding amongst them. Hey everyone, we haven't done this in a little while, but I do have a very interesting question. And this story reminded me of a conversation that I had with my partner the other day. We got on the topic of imaginary friends, which obviously played a small part into this story as well, because I had shared with them that I've, I, or I don't have imaginary friends. I had imaginary friends as a child around four to maybe eight or nine years old. I had three imaginary friends and they made the comment, did you make up your imaginary friends or do you just remember them showing up one day? And the more I think about it, the more I realize I didn't think up these imaginary friends. They just kind of started existing in my imagination, I guess, one day. I could be remembering it wrong, of course, but I don't think I actually thought up any imaginary friends. So that's my question. Did you have imaginary friends as a kid? And if you did, do you remember creating them? Or do you remember them just kind of existing out of nowhere? And what were their names? For me, it was Big Mike, Little Mike, and Chrissy. But that's just me. Let me know down in the comments section below. If you enjoyed this video, be sure to subscribe and leave a like. And if you're new here, do the same. If you're a longtime listener, be sure to share this video with someone you think would enjoy it. I hope you all have a wonderful day, afternoon, or evening. And as always, stay safe out there.